everybody. This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life, because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, the premier free writing magazine on the internet, featuring articles on writing and the writing life, as well as video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres. You can find Author Magazine at authormagazine.org. And we are funded by the good people at the Pacific Northwest Writers Association, supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955. To learn more about the PNWA, uh, go to pnwa.org. Well, I had a great conversation with Philip Kenny. I interviewed him when he wrote a book on writing uh, a couple of years ago, and he's got a new book out on uh, of haiku. And, you know, this conversation went some surprising and interesting places. Very thoughtful guy. Um, and so we just, it, like I said, it went some really uh, kind of deep places, which is where I like to go. Philip writes and practices uh, psychotherapy in Portland, Oregon, and um, he wrote some haiku because of, in part because of his experience in uh, the pandemic, and that only this step came out in 2023. And he's also the author of The Writer's Crucible, Meditations on Emotion, Being, and Creativity. And that book was a finalist for the Red City Review 2018 Nonfiction Book of the Year uh, Award. And like I said, great conversation, great guy. Uh, so glad I get to share this interview with you now. Enjoy. All right. Well, this is good. We got Philip Kenny. Back back on the show, I did interview you for your book on writing, didn't I, Philip? Yeah, the Writer's Crucible. We spoke. Uh, yeah. five years, I think. Yeah, it is. Well, welcome, because today we're celebrating, talking about your most recent effort, "Only the Step," a collection of haiku that came out not that long ago, right? Yeah, early February. For early February, yeah. Well, so uh, congrats. Is that your first haiku collection? It is. It is. Not my last, though. Good. All right. I like that attitude. All right. Well, you know, so, Philip, you have an interesting um, origin story, an interesting writer's origin story, uh, which I suspect we discussed some, but to kind of remind people, I think, did it begin with poetry? Weren't you, you were going through some serious depression and po you kind of wrote your way out of it, didn't you? If I, Am I remembering correctly? Uh, oh, dear. Uh, All right. Sorry. Well, um, I wasn't going through a serious depression. I had been, uh, I had, I had been in. I was not unfamiliar with depression. Right. But it was the early '90s. I was a, a psych psychotherapist, and a Prozac was taking over the world. Right. Right. So I um, decided to give it a whirl. Um, you know, allegedly to know what my patients were experiencing, but secretively to see if it would cure me of a of a uh, family tradition. So um, right, right. So I took it. I didn't like it, and I, I after six weeks, I cold turkeyed, which is a big mistake. Ah, uh, right. Always, always titrate, and then I went into the biggest uh, fall into despair I'd ever known. Two weeks into that, I woke up one Saturday morning in a big anxiety attack. <laughs> and there was a poem tagged to my brain. Right, right, right. So this... I wrote it down, and that was the beginning. You know, I think it's beautiful. I, I've always felt that anxiety and depression, I understand 
particularly given your story, the sort of physiological aspects to it. But I think if we, I mean, you're a psychotherapist, so we don't, if we ignore the mental, the relationship between thinking and our feelings, we do so at our own peril in my experience. That's right. Um, And I have for sure felt that anxiety and depression um, or are related to how connected, see if you can follow this or follow me on this one, is related to how connected I feel to that which I connect to when I write. In other words, when I write, I have to connect to something, the thing that allows through the writing. And the more disconnected I am from that, the more anxious and depressed I get. What do you think of that? What of that hypothesis? (laughs) I can go for that. And um, I would even, I would take it, for me, it's, it's, uh, and you may mean this implicitly, it's a, a step further. The beauty for the writing for me has been um, that feeling that I get, you just described when I'm connected to the writing. But writing follows you around. Writing becomes yeah. oh, who yeah. you are. So all of a sudden, I'm. it's not just when I'm at my desk at five in the morning, it's walking the dog. It's uh, driving downtown past the homeless. So there's yeah. a... There's a it, it it permeates started to permeate my life. And Describe my- what what do you mean by permeate? Is it that you're thinking like a writer all the time, or ideas are coming to you, or just how does it permeate your life? Well, it um, and haiku is a good example of this. It just asked me to be awake. Right. You know, lots of, most many people, um, including many writers, are in their heads a lot. So. Um, writing and, and haiku is particularly profound with this. I think it asks you to be attentive and to the world, to your senses, to what you're taking in with your senses. Yeah. So for me, like with the book, I had read Richard Power's book and two years before I started this. Which one? The, the Overstory. Right. Okay. And that book very much altered me. Yeah. We have, a, so? park, we have a, huh? How so? Well, this was, I was explaining, it made, it asked me to be attentive to the world and to, to not just walk by a tree and say, oh, isn't that nice, but to understand what was happening within the tree and beneath the tree with the fungi. So it it very much made me um, more conscious of of the interconnections between things. Mm Mm-hmm which I think is really, for me, very important and important for writers, those, all those relationships. Yeah. And so, you know, I think that um, when you talk about being, you said, a, a, aware, aware of the world around you, the, it's a funny thing because I, I do think, I think of that great James Joyce described uh, well, I don't like the language, but he called it proper art because he had his own ideas. But he, but I do think there was something to be said for he said the art that he is most interested in is has no movement is is characterized by stasis. So the artist doesn't want the thing, and is not afraid of the thing, but is beholding the thing. So in other words, you're looking upon the thing that you're rendering, the story you're telling, with without judgment in a way, without fear or desire but just sort of acceptance. And that to me always feels like um, that awareness that you're describing. Does that resonate with you? 
Yeah, I have to I'd have to contemplate that a little bit. Okay. Um, yeah, fair enough. To a certain extent. Um you know, it's I don't know about the without fear or desire part, because that has a way of uh, entering in whether we like it or not. <laughs> I see. Yeah. That's but true. um I think there is a, a, a sense, if I'm hearing you right, of um the beholding, I like that word, of uh, observing without let's just say preconceptions or without right. a, 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 a mental a, a rigid mental um notion of what's going on so in yeah. other words you're, you're ready for you're, you're prepared for surprise you're prepared for your interest to take you where you didn't expect yeah yeah which is very true with haiku it's what i love about it um and uh, so that's an interesting thing about haiku because I was, I, I, you know, I actually, I just didn't say actually because I don't read a lot of haiku. I very much enjoyed this and reading haiku um, is so meditative because yeah. it's well, so because they're over it before you almost before you start them, yeah. but the nature of how they're written is requires such an open mind from the readers because because it because you got so you, it's just a morsel in a way you're trying to pack as much into infer as much as possible in the shortest space possible at least that's my feeling about it that it requires the reader to sort of just uh absorb it on such a felt level it's such a non-intellectual level that it can yes. be understood right almost more than it i almost as much as like just music in a way but yes. it's language that makes sense yeah it really does it absolutely does it's it's that's kind of the, the beautiful mystery of it yeah and one of the things i've been happiest about with the book is that many many people have said to me uh oh i really loved it and i read it through once and now i'm going through and reading one or two at a time and contemplating what i've read yeah it it really it, it reminds me of of when I read Taoist stuff, it has yeah. that same sort of quality to it. Yeah. Um, and uh, I liked right up my alley. So I quite liked it. And, and you, um, you gave us a little history, uh, unusual for poetry collections, but you decided, and I think it was probably a good idea to tell us kind of how this was born. And it reminds me just a little bit, just a little bit of the, of how this whole writing thing started for you. Although you weren't yeah. in some pit of despair, but you were having, you were in COVID. the The lockdown was having its effect on you, and it wasn't <laughs> particularly great. And uh, so, talk to us about that. You were working on a novel, which you've been doing for a long time. Yeah, about eight years. And um, I had planned my my writing plan was to pull it out of the desk drawer and kickstart it again in early 2020. Okay, which I did, and. I didn't have COVID, but I had COVID brain, I call it. Right, right. My brain turned to sludge. Why do you think that is? What, like, I, I know we're, I'm just a little digression, but what, what, to what do you attribute that? Just a lack of physical interaction with the outer world or what, too much Zoom? What, what do you think, <laughs> what do you think did it to you? Exactly. How do you explain it? Zoom took over in a way, but I, I <laughs> yeah. think uh, there's, yeah, it's the isolation, it's, it's the fear and, sort of constant uncertainty and yeah. uh, it's the you know terrible news right so many people dying so you're worried about friends yeah. and 
people yeah. you love who could get it. And uh, so I was, uh, and I know a lot of writers who had planned, I think they were thinking, well, yeah, I couldn't get a lot of writing done now, but many of them did not. Yeah. And we lack the normal stimulations that you know, activate the brain and activate creative centers. So uh, I was one of those. And um, I, uh, well, two things. One is I, I, um, I started doing a lot of walking. Mm, okay. And um, I don't know if you remember this, but in our neck of the woods, and I think this was common after the shutdown, there was a lovely quiet. Oh, it was it was really beautiful. Bunny was rabbits beautiful. were everywhere. It, it was yeah. it was I, I there I as terrible as that time was. There was a lot of aspects to it that I really enjoyed. I know, just me the too. Peacefulness of it, and everybody just staying home and relaxing a little bit. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the whole I wrote a haiku about it. I don't know if you noticed it in here about people staying put in their huts. But yes, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. I did <laughs> notice that one. But there was that beautiful quiet and peacefulness, and uh, so that took me. Yeah. And then the um, I think that opened up some space in me because I was just letting myself attend to that. And uh, finally, I decided to junk the novel and was thinking uh, I just wouldn't write for a while because my brain wasn't able to mm -hmm. and put the novel back in the drawer. And all of a sudden, a little voice said to me, oh, why don't you just have some fun and write some haiku? Yeah. And uh, so I, I did. And I'm telling you, it was unbelievable. Just... Uh, Lo and behold, I'd walk to the park and three or four haiku would follow me home every morning. <laughs> so when when you say they follow you home, would they follow you home intact? Com completely Pretty composed? Much. Yeah. You know, a, a novel, as you know, takes a hell of a lot of revision. Yeah. Most of these haiku pretty much came unbidden and are written down as they appeared. Yeah, yeah. Which and is another that sort of the mystery, another kind of. I mean, writing feels like a miracle to me, Bill. <laughs> when you say it feels like I, a miracle, do you mean I can't believe it happened again, or like there is a miraculous nature to it? Because you, it's. I've always said you can't. There's no coin slot where I can put a coin into and push a button and get a poem. It arrives, right. you know, by well, means. Well, I, I wrote a. Uh, I don't know if you remember that, but the essay I wrote when we first met the I'm an unlikely writer, you know, yep. I, I told the story of that poem coming to me in despair. And uh, yep. so that always felt like a miracle to me. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I think it's good language. My, I guess, uh, do you feel like it's a miracle that you have some role in? In other words, I'm not saying not that you're controlling it, but that you that there's a that, that it is coming in answer to something in you. In other words, you have a an emotional role to play in its arrival. That you have a that there are things you can do to block it and things you can do to allow it. How's that? Do you feel yeah, that allow way? it and uh, and foster it? Um, yeah. Okay. In fact, I I just. Some of the best haiku come in the shower, Bill. Ha! Yeah, because you're not not trying. You're, you're not just, trying. You're not trying. It yeah. just comes. It, like yeah. one, I've been thinking about this a lot because I, as I do, I, I've listened to some of your interviews, and I know you always end with that question: "What did yeah. you learn?" And yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Uh, what the hell did I learn? Well, oh. I, 
Don't try and answer it now. Wait till like, I'll pop it on okay. you. <laughs> <laughs> but I wrote this little haiku about, about that it, for me, it feels like I was visited. Oh, that's nice. And that's nice. Uh, I am trying to be a good host. Yeah, that's good. I, I remember when I first understood this relationship to writing, I started saying, oh, I see my job. Because I always have, for me, I got to know what my job is you know what am i doing what don't i have to do because it's me trying to do things i don't have to do that causes a lot of problems right? Yeah, right but i thought my job is to create the fertile environment into which ideas yeah. can come but and and i know what that environment's like and i know what it's not like and even though i know what it's like i still sometimes don't create it i still you know get in the way yeah. or it's not open yeah. but yeah that i began to understand it much more that my job was like you said, a host. I like that. You're throwing the party, but you're just the host. You're the host. <laughs> you got, you someone is, else. I, I liken it to the, my rose garden. I have to be attentive to the rose garden. I'm sure as heck not growing those blooms. Yeah, I think but growing, I, yes. And I think growing flowers is a great metaphor for writing because I would say I can't make a flower. No. I, but I can I can give it attention. I can you give can it. Give it the conditions. That's where right. It can flourish. That's right. But I can't make it. No you one can make, make it. it. No, no one can. Well, uh, maybe some... whatever that force is. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So you said something interesting. And so it, is that you said you're the surprise, which I totally agree with. The surprise. In fact, that's I'm writing a chapter of a book Are about really? that very subject right now about Good. surprise, and. You know, so I'm curious because I, I tell my students, you know, I write a lot of these three and 400 word essays, which are not haikus, but they're short in the world of essays. Right. But I always am surprised, almost always in the middle, even though I have an idea. Oh, I'll write about X and Y. I usually wait for the sentence that comes that tells me what the thing's actually about. Right. And so that even though I could theoretically compose them in my head, I always wait till I start writing. But a haiku, which is if you broke it down, not unlike a sentence in a way in terms of its length. Right. Do you still, I assume you're surprised by the arrival, but is there surprise in the composition? In the yeah, action? often there is. Um, and two examples of it. One is there's the, the um, structure of the haiku traditionally, yeah. as, as you know, I'm sure it's been the 575 syllabic form. Right. That got to America. And of course, Americans don't like being told what to do. No. So no. They scrapped it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but actually, the whole thing originated, um, and the problem originated because in Japanese and in, in Japan, it's not about the syllables because they don't have syllables, but it's about right. the sound. Right. And the so the sound is the guide. Right. But um, to get back to the main point, I um, I actually like writing in the five seven five structure. Now, Why a lot is that? Of the, um, a lot of poems in the book are not uh, yeah. like. In fact, yeah. one one poem is only five words. But yeah, um, well, I don't know. It uh, there's just something about the rhythm of it I like. Okay. And, uh, speaking of poem uh, haiku coming in the shower, lots of times these these haiku come already in the five seven five form. Wow, really? And believe me, I'm not a structured guy. <laughs> right. <laughs> wow, that's interesting because you don't have to. Because I would think. That five seven thought five, you'd have to shave it a little here. Well, and there, sometimes you, know, you do, but I'm right. saying there's a number of times when there's something in the brain that likes it. Yeah, you know, I write songs, and oh, yeah. songs follow a certain rhythm, and 
I don't think about it, but I, you know, I, I and I don't stop. I mean, I, I know music theory and that kind of thing, but I don't think about what I'm writing, but it almost always falls into a certain number of beats per for the chorus and for the verse and so on. And that is pretty standard. I suppose I'm imitating what I've heard, but I don't think about it. It just comes out that way. Isn't that kind of fine, huh? Oh, I love it. Love it. And you know, uh, there's an interesting book called Haiku in English. Uh-huh. Traces the the, the uh, development of haiku once it got to America, and um, Billy Collins wrote the intro for it. Oh, cool! Cool. It's, it, it's one of the best essays on haiku you'll ever see. And yep. one of the things he talks about, which I'm very interested for all sorts of reasons, is the relationship between uh, structure and creativity. That, yeah. That, for yeah. many for much much of the time, you know, running into that structure, running into a limit, actually stimulates something sort of outside the ego or outside the conscious yeah. mind, some, some an in, unconscious response to it. Yeah, it is fascinating. I think. Well, there's something about creativity that you have if you're having because I remember when I was writing my I started I was doing one essay a day for five days a week for years, you know, and so I would write these 400 word pieces. And sometimes they were about creativity, but I but I get tired of just an, another essay. I wanted to tell a little story about my life that had to do with creativity. So I just said, I want to tell a story. And I had come from novel writing. I actually didn't like the short story. And so I said, can I tell a story in 400 words? You know, and that limitation fostered a level of creativity because I had to think, well, what actually belongs there? How can I say that much in that little space? It makes you think. It makes you break rules or or break rules that you thought you you needed in order to to function. I think it is just as creative as saying do whatever you want. They're saying you got to do it this way. I do too. I just yeah. finished an essay called "Paradox Lost." <laughs> and it, a big part of it has to do with this American problem of associating either associating uh, freedom with no limits, right. Or uh, uh, freedom with uh, limits with no freedom. So right. Um, yeah, I think it's uh, it's part of the mystery of haiku and really creativity and in, in, in the whole as a whole. That so you are a psychotherapist. Have how, you've been one for a long time? Yeah, I mean this has been your career. This was your yeah. Career. I've been for forty years. Okay, and you started writing in the nineties. Um, how has writing changed your occupation? Has it, has it altered your, your relationship to your patients, to the work itself? Ooh, that's a good question. That's a, that'd be an interesting essay right there. <laughs> yeah, I, I would be actually, but I don't know if you, if you can name it, but I would, I mean, here's the thing, your work, you would, you would naturally evolve anyway, even if you weren't a writer, I would assume the nature of the work would change, but I can't see how this wouldn't have affected you in some way, your understanding of yourself and your own mind and the way you yeah. think and what makes you happy and sad and get in your own way. And Well, one thing is I, um, I'm much more interested in many times in how people are, or aren't being creative with their lives than I, that I am with pathology. Right. Right. And um, uh, for another thing, you know, writing the way we're talking about it seems so compatible with psychotherapy because I was trained in dy psychodynamic psychotherapy with a lot of which is revolves around 
free association with unconscious material that right. arises. Right. So that to me seemed like a easy just sidestep into writing and making room and listening. You know, like William Stafford said, you you listen for a poem you, more than you write. That's a right. I, that's oh, William Stafford. I've always said writing is listening. It's, it's not listening. thinking. It's that's not right. thinking. Yeah. 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 So and, true. And, and that great stanza from uh, Wendell Berry's uh, "How to Be a Poet." The last part he says, "Listen for the for the poems that come from silence. Do not yeah. disturb the silence from which the poem came." Huh? Oh, one hundred percent. Goosebumps. Yeah, it's beautiful and it's so true. You want it because I think that you have to be silent because you have to drop the thinking, your busy mind that is analyzing and worrying, and you know. I do a lot of coaching of writers and yeah. most of my coaching I don't is has nothing to do with reading their stuff. Like a lot of my clients, I don't read their stuff at all. We yeah. just talk about this, really the psychology of writing and the, the challenges of it. Cause I am aware of all the many challenges writers face and stillness is an essential part of stillness and silence is a part. And what's tricky, I think about that, why it's hard to grasp, although I gr agree is that, there is something about creativity and writing that has momentum to it and movement and energy. And that's sometimes the fun part. And I get that. But if you pay attention, it always begins with stillness. If you're that's right. That's right? Right. right. And, uh, you know, the brain for better or worse, always wants to come back to what worked last time. <laughs> and the, the yeah. Of creativity is, uh, uh, no wants to do it. I get it. I get it, man. Just I want to know. So the, to be still is to allow the new, new thing. Yeah. yeah. The new thing. Yeah. It's all about the new thing. And you got to trust. You got to trust. I interviewed Paul Harding a few months ago. Oh, I listened to that last night. That was great. Wasn't that great? I God, I enjoyed that conversation. I got to get his books. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he, he's a beautiful writer. He really committed to this way. But the thing that we focused on in that that he kept coming back to and something I've been thinking about a lot is that what he called no presumptions. In other words, you don't write a story. You only write a sentence presuming to know what it is. Pure discovery, pure discovery, which means your ego has to get out of the, the ego did not want discovery. <laughs> doesn't want, doesn't want anything new. It wants everything just boxed up and set and tucked in and the pure discovery. And he was really just, uh, kept coming back to that. And I really appreciate it because I think that that's one of the big challenges writers face emotionally is being okay with that constant not knowing so that you can discover, right? Because if you you know, there's nothing to discover. Right? So you got to not know if you want to discover. You need to be discovered. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. You keep discovering. You keep discovering. I can't wait to read his novels. Uh, I, I didn't know about him. So thank you for... Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, that was, I didn't. I didn't know his. I mean, I knew when Tinker. I knew about Tinker's. I didn't realize the story behind it when he won the Pulitzer in that weird fashion that he did. But um, yeah, great guy. Really nice guy too. Really genuine. Yeah, seemed lovely very, guy. Very genuine. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, okay. So only this stuff. You say. You say. So it's not your last. This was. This has. How many haikus were in this? I can't. Not. Not that many. It's like forty-seven. I think. Okay. That's a. a but you wrote a lot of them. And. Yeah, I wrote about 159 in that three month period. <laughs> are more coming? Do you think? What do you think? Is it, or just if it's yeah, I got, I got another one ready 
my friend, good friend John Brem, and you might like to read this. Uh, he's he's an excellent poet. He wrote uh, the Dharma of Poetry. Okay. Yeah, he's terrific. Maybe you want to interview him, but um, he edited it for me. Edited it down to from 159 to 50 or so. Oh, nice. Okay. Now uh, I really can't tell what's good and what isn't. So. Well, yeah, it's tricky because you know, good. Anyways, you don't know. I've got another 120 waiting for John to be uh, to edit it down. So That's another awesome. chapbook book at least. And are you doing any kind of readings or anything? I don't. Are there? Is that something you're interested in? I did a reading uh, for Broadway Books, uh, my favorite independent bookstore in Portland. Nice. And John and I had a conversation with Miss it. and then Saturday, this Saturday, I'm doing a reading for the Haiku Society of America, local chapter in Portland. Nice. <laughs> okay. Does everybody speak in very short sentences? Yeah, no, I don't know. I've never been to a meeting. <laughs> wow. Okay. They, uh, I think they're a little more formal than I am. I but... bet they are. The haiku says, <laughs> you know, they're probably lovely people, but it just is a Saturday Live sketch waiting learned. to be written, I think. <laughs> yeah, okay. <we'll> <laughs> but, so, uh, yeah. That's good. Well, the novel's coming along too. So maybe oh, that's right. You went back to it. Yeah. Are you having, are you having fun with it? A little. Well, uh, come on, Philip. You have a, a little fun with it, or don't I do it. I had a lot of fun with it until I got to the editing part. <laughs> All right. Hey, listen. You know why? I, editing? Listen. Try to remember this. This is this is another thing I've become evangelical about. <laughs> listen, listen, Philip. Listen to your inner artist. Don't listen to your inner critic. The inner artist oh, just loves to fix, loves to make something better. The inner critic just says, how could you have been so stupid? What <laughs> were you thinking? You're never going to. Uh, I, I was listening to the editors. I hired uh, Allegory Editing out of Seattle. Do you know those good people? I, I don't. Uh, if you like the editor, it's great. If you don't, it's just a mess. <laughs> so hopefully, you're at a, hopefully you like your editor. I like my editors a lot, and I disagreed with them, too. And uh, so on no, a very man. important point, they thought I was not being uh, politically correct. And, oh, uh, oh. And I had to really wrestle with them, and I, oh. I I turned them down on that one. Yeah, yeah. But you on know, commas take... and colons and stuff like that, they're great. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you got to take your lumps. I think I think the authors need to start pushing back on that a little bit, artists too. in general, and just say, you know what, let's have the discussion, and let's let's not be so – Let's not dance around things quite so much. I think it's probably high time to turn the page on that. I think, you know, it's easy for me. The kind of stuff I write, it's not going to come up. I don't think because I'm writing mostly about my own life. But you never know. You never know. Couldn't infiltrate. So, all right. Yes. Well, you knew the question was coming. Again, it's only this step. If you like haiku, I, I think you're going to like it. I think you're going to like it if you like haiku. And even if you don't, even if you don't, like, you know, it's a really, I would say, I would put out to you, readers, listeners, that if you want something to start your day that is like meditation without meditation, yeah. pick up only this step because it'll put you right in that frame of mind that meditation puts me in. So that's my that's my sales pitch for your book. Uh, I love it. That's a wonderful compliment. Thank you. Thank you. It just came to me. Just came to me right now. And so that said, all right, so question is what has right if writing's taught you anything i mean really if it's taught you anything or let, let me phrase it differently then for you because i don't if someone asked me that question i, I could have a thousand answers 
that's the trouble. I've been struggling. That's right. with this So season. think about it this way. When you think, when you're thinking about writing these days, what about it has got your attention the most? What aspect of it is most compelling to you right now? Oh, um, well, let's see here. I don't know. I have to think about that. But uh, let me just say this too, that because I'm an unlikely writer, you know, I didn't start writing until 40, I was 45. Yeah, that's, that's late, I will say, in the writing game. game. Isn't it? And yeah. now, so I've been writing for 30 years now. Wow. Wow. And so my quick sort of uh, answer to your the question is, writing has taught me that I'm a writer. Yeah. I, I, I like that answer. I like that answer. And I think it's true. And it's kept you young, clearly. Yeah. Clearly. <laughs> it's kept you vital. And it's taught you this right. I like it. I like it. Roll with that. Writing has taught you that you're a writer. You're doing it. Yeah. And um, as we talked about earlier, that's not a learned thing as in it's, you know, okay, I've got it now. It's yeah. something that comes and goes and that you have to tend to and nurture and wrestle yeah. with the times when nothing's coming. And That's right. That's when you right. doubt and you think, oh, shit, I'll never write another, yeah. another haiku. <laughs> That's right. So it's a... It's an ongoing relationship with the mystery of things coming unbidden and your own self. And so I read, I fell in love with first drafts. And so I, my first novel, I published it too quick. I mean, I was just right. so anxious and fall in new, love. I found a new respect for revision. Yeah. Learn if when you learn to fall in love with revision, learn to love revision, it's like learning. To love your partner yep. after ten years. That's right. Ten or twenty. It's like you got to find. It's, it happens. It's not. Exactly right. It's not first love anymore. Philip, it's been great talking to you. Congratulations on Likewise. the book. I like that. It's an ongoing relationship with the mystery. It is. It's a relationship. Relationships are kind of mysterious, but we need them. They feed us. It's what, it's what life's about. Life's a relationship. Life is a relationship. Okay, I want to thank my producer, R.J. Jeffries. Thank you, my friend. I want to thank all of you for listening. And uh, until we meet again, as always, you know, stay in that relationship. It's a love relationship. So go find something you love to do and do it. <laughs>